I think a lot more people are catching on to this though yeah. and realizing that, that that doctors don't have our best health and wellness right. in mind. Just like the government doesn't have your best needs in mind. If you think the government has your health and wellness and your best needs in mind, then yeah, you might as well think that your doctor yeah. wants you to live forever super duper healthy. It just it I'm not saying your doctor doesn't want you to be healthy, but you just have to realize that health care is sick care it's a for-profit business so these people need to make money off of you to stay in business and to feed their families yeah so it's not profitable to make people heal mm. and especially off your point teas herbs yeah. things that you can grow for free you can't patent that and that's the problem if you can't patent it you can't make money welcome to the Biz secrets podcast this podcast is intended to inspire people to discover their true purpose and follow their bliss. We're on every single major platform. Check us out in the description. We have links to all that. Make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the show. All right. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Uh, she grew up in Vallejo. Uh, she's been involved with cannabis since she was 15 years old. She's been a cultivator since she was 18. She's also worked in the medical field for over 10 years. Uh, she did pharmaceutical sales for over six years. She's been a dietitian and a public speaker against Big Pharma. She's now the owner of a CBD company, Jade Hill & Co. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan Jade. Thank Welcome. you. All the way to the Seven oh seven. Be here, big 707. Yep. I know. I used to live there, so I know. Wow, so Bay Area. Yeah, I like your style too. Thanks. Yeah. This know. was not planned, by the way. So it's a good sign when you're matching head to toe oh, with someone you can't That's do. right. And not even planned, right? Yeah. So I like to start every podcast with kind of getting to know somebody, because I think if they know your story, they can connect with you a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, they don't know me yet. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about your, about, you know, your upbringing. Like, you grew up in Vallejo, and what was that like? Yeah, so I grew up in Vallejo, Northern California. If you're not familiar with Vallejo, it's not the nicest. <laughs> it's a city in California. It hasn't been gentrified yet at, at all, by any means. I don't know if it's ever going to be. Yeah. But um, kind of a unique area to grow up. Um, it was when Mac Dre was alive and the hyphy movement was going yeah. on. So drug use was a really big acceptable thing it was just kind of the party have fun environment and um fizz was a big thing at the time as long as well as weed everyone was smoking and consuming selling growing so it pushed me into cannabis use um at a really early age how, how young were you uh, when you first well, 15 15 okay yeah but i also started consuming daily and everyone was into sales too so I, yeah. I started getting the sales so it just kind of propelled me into the cannabis world yeah we're not talking about like um clothing sales or no <laughs> no at this time black market okay cannabis sales. Got it, got it. yeah i later transitioned obviously once it turned wreck into legal cannabis yeah. market gotcha but, so let's go back a little bit further so um you know, tell us a little bit about your family. Do you have like brothers, sisters, like, you know? Yeah, my parents are divorced. Um, so they both got remarried. So I have um, like a half brother, a stepsister, a half brother. They're all my brothers and sisters. Okay. I don't care about half or step or anything. So you're like the only one from the original yeah. marriage. Okay. And mm -hmm. then you have half brothers and half sisters. Mm -hmm. How many total? And 
Um, one little brother, one younger sister, one older brother. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. That's cool. Um, pretty much all my family is in Northern California. Um, I'm the first person out of all my family and all my friends to go to college. Right. So I didn't know that first generation was like a, <laughs> mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah. Apparently it is. Um, but I'm pretty close to all my family. Um, like I said, they're, they're, they separated when I was growing up, so that was a little bit of turmoil, and I didn't have the best relationship with my dad. Um, but it's fine. So did are they all still living in the Vallejo area, your whole family? Yes, yeah. Okay. So everyone's still still in the neighborhood. Yeah, they're all in NorCal. Yeah. And you went to college. Where'd you go? Uh, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Oh, that's a good school. That's like three hours where I was away. Right? Uh, it's in between San Francisco and L.A. It's kind of the midpoint, Central California. But that's Maybe, like, maybe driving there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was still selling weed at the time too, so I would come back to the bay and get like the best. Yeah. Weed at yeah. great prices, and then go down Transport there. Down to all yeah, the and just Obispo kids. <laughs> well, I was living in student housing, so yeah. I realized, hey, I live in a building of customers. Yeah, yeah literally. Absolutely. And uh, Obispo is a good school. It's an expensive school, so yeah, you probably had a lot I, of kids that had I money, right? Chose it right. Yeah. Exactly. I chose it because I felt like it was the best school that I got into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as far as all the state schools go, mm-hmm. Obispo is like number one. Yeah. So you, you're actually pretty smart. Thank right? you. <laughs> you're welcome. I'd like to think so. What did you study in college? Nutrition science. Nutrition yeah, science. Yeah, I've always really been into health. Um, I just wanted to learn more. Yeah. None of my family, which none of my family is healthy. Growing up with with a uh, single divorced parents, mm-hmm. I literally grew up on fast food and TV dinners and wow. microwave meals. And then I took a required health class in high school. And I was like, wait, the fast food isn't good for you? Like, this is what you guys have been giving yeah. to me? And I kind of opened my eyes. And so since then, I, I've really been health-focused and and I just want to learn more. And I, people always said, pick something that you're passionate about learning. You actually 100%. want to study and yeah. research. Yeah. And that was just things that I'd like to nerd out on. So yeah. I was like, let me pick nutrition. That's awesome. And then, yeah, after um, work the whole time, I was... In college, um, I had several retail jobs, still doing cannabis sales, um, worked at a dispensary. At this time, they didn't have dispensaries in the, my college area, but I would come back to, to Vallejo, to Markel, and work at dispensaries just as drop-in. Uh, and during high school, I worked in dispensaries. Okay. Um, such a different atmosphere from what it is today. It used to be like, oh, don't tell anyone about this hole-in-the-wall store. Yeah. yeah. And now they're like loungy upscale. Now it's like Starbucks. That's where I work. So it's it's interesting watching the dynamic of just the cannabis industry yeah. landscape change over mm-hmm. the years, how it used to be just so frowned upon and everything was a felony chance and now it's it you know the coolest thing going yeah and it's kind of funny it's trendy right yeah so the you know the trend things are kind of funny for people who have been kind of you're like dude I'm one of the freaking OGs like what the hell you know a lot of people that I used to work with they're like you know they wish that it didn't go legal because now it's more corporate it's more I'm one of those people it's more controlled yeah you know what's funny Um, so about 10 years ago I was like if big companies ever get involved with cannabis you're gonna see weed cigarettes like I I go and they're gonna pretty much take over 
And then the other day, um, obviously, uh, I don't remember where, but I, I, I noticed, uh, I, I was buying some CBD oil for mm -hmm. like sleep or whatever, because I was having a hard time going to sleep. So I'm like, let me try some CBD oil. And I'm shopping on the thing, and then lo and behold, mm -hmm. freaking weed cigarettes. Like literally, like rolled like little cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is crazy, right? Yeah. So so let me ask you, let's go back to your college. And great right? alternative. Yeah, of yeah. course, right? Mm -hmm. and, and we'll talk about that because... <laughs> yeah. I got a lot to talk about right. about cannabis. Yeah, it should have never been illegal, right? Never. It's no. a big scam. It's a big scheme with very powerful people, right? Um, like a lot of things in America. Yeah, of course, right? You know that's America. If you have money and you put your people in power, you could change the laws then and rules. Marketing and, you will and marketing, you. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I just want to go back real quick to when you were in college because you were doing sales, right? And uh, I mean, you must have been doing pretty well though, as like one of the only distributors. In college did you put yourself through school or did you get a scholarship or um partly luckily like I said I was the first person out of all my family and friends so my mom always told me if I do go to school she'll help me out as okay. much as she can so I did have my mom helping me out that's awesome um, and then I also had I, I had three jobs the whole time I was a full-time student so mm -hmm. I worked non-stop I also and I was selling weed, yeah. a whole lot of weed, yeah. so that helped me out a lot. Yeah. Um, but I also had a, just a retail job, and then I was a fundraiser at the college, so I like had a headset on, and I was one of those annoying people that called and was like, yeah. hey, do you want to donate? Yeah. <laughs> that job. Like, and then I get cussed out. Yeah, like, like, what the hell am I cool, doing? I should I'm just go gonna... be selling some more cannabis, right? Yeah, yeah. which I went on to do. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I worked I worked the whole time I was in school and then all through summer I would just work nonstop. So it, I didn't luckily I didn't come out with crazy student debt or mm -hmm. loans that need to be filled. So it seems like you're a hustler. Like yes. just a, just always a hard Yes, and I hustler. attribute that to my upbringing too. Like I said, just growing up the whole culture along with drug use was drug sales. It was just drug yeah. dealers. Yeah. Everyone that I that was around and looked up to, the music I listened to mm -hmm. heavily influenced my life. And mm -hmm. music was all about drug using and drug dealing. Right. Mm -hmm. And hustling, 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 hustling. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, something that was really big that was put in my head at an early age was never have one source of income. Mm -hmm. Wow. Never. That's smart. And that's, well, it's also yeah. smart, but it's also like the street hustle. Yeah. Yeah. People would be like, oh, don't just sell drugs. You also gotta pay poles and, yeah. and, you know, and, and diversify yeah. yourself. So yeah. it's almost like I did take a lot of these like hood street yeah. strategies, yeah. forms of surviving, and kind of extrapolated that into like a professional business sense. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's a it's a good thing because most even the hustlers like the big drug lords like they are just leaders and business people. Mm. it's just misguided energy it's in the wrong industry or, or whatever right so all the principles that you learn hustling or mm -hmm. on the streets that's street smarts that's yeah. like that's what that's what well, makes a successful business not right? having the resource or having someone to help you it's yeah. kind of just the being trapped in the corner of like i have to do this by myself because i don't have someone else that can call i don't have a mom or a dad that's going to pay for this shit or, or someone that's going to let me it, you know yeah. reach out a hand it's like no, I'm really just alone I gotta do it so I just kind of always had that focus of and it's also a pride thing for me I don't mm -hmm. like asking people for help um, I don't know if it's a mental emotional thing like I will reach out but I, I just 
I'll always do everything I can to make it happen myself before yeah. I have to reach out to someone else. So you're very independent. Yeah, and I, I pride myself on that, especially yeah. as a woman. Where do you think that came from? Uh, definitely my mom and the line of independent women in my family. My okay. mom is is um, really hard worker. She's um, now she's the vice president of a title company. Wow. But she also hustled her way up. To the top. Yeah, and I mean, was a single mom at yeah. twenty, wow. um, so you know, I was always working and taking care of herself. But she, once again, put it in my head at an early age of always take care of yourself and always work hard, so you don't have to rely on someone else and rely on a man and rely on you know just anyone else for anything. Yeah. And then, and that would tie into my sense of dignity and pride and. Mm you know that I I don't need you for this stuff I can do it for myself yeah. so that was just something that was kind of tied into my identity at an early age which is great because yeah. now I'm independent but it can also be to my own harm sometimes right. I won't ask anyone for help or a hand when you delegate yeah. stuff yeah and I kind of like will overwork myself yeah, and yeah. get burnt out a lot mm -hmm. have but, you found like some kind of like strategy or balance to like take care of yourself when you know you're about to get burnt out like hey okay Gordon. um i'm learning too it's so <laughs> now now i'm like 30 years old i'm learning too all through my 20s um i and in high school and college i used a lot of stimulants to help me through everything mm. so stimulants whether it being coffee non-stop coffee all day all the yeah. time uh, or when that didn't work, um, other chemicals like Adderall, cocaine, unfortunately. Like, I used a lot of drugs, not in the party sense, but, like, functionally. Yeah. So I would be like, oh, I got to go work at the hospital at 5 in the morning, and then I have an internship after, and then I'm doing my retail job, and then I'm going to sell weed after. Like, you know what? Coffee's not cutting it today. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. And then, yeah. I, and then I would be on so many stimulants mm -hmm. and up for so long that I would take a lot of downers to like mm -hmm. make myself sleep. So, right. you know, whether it be like Xanax or even alcohol or sleeping pills or uh, syrup or other pain pills, you know, just a variety of chemicals. So, yeah, I used to like literally force myself through, you know, chemicals and other products but now I just I once I'm burnt out I'm learning to stop pushing my physical mental limits and take time for myself and really just pause so, and that's so, been hard for me as a someone who's always on the go yeah. to really stop yeah and I'm still not to the level of meditating yet but I'm at least yeah. to the level of slowing my ass You're down aware. and stopping yeah, yeah I'm aware that yeah. I need more self-care but I'm at least taking a, a second to honor that well awareness is the first step right yeah so how how long were you doing this whole like kind of chemical cocktail Gosh, with like yourself? 10 years down wow. here from like probably in the middle of college to maybe like 28 and it, it just it i got so uncomfortable in my body i mean i'm in the car all the time non-stop especially when i worked in pharmaceutical sales literally just in my car all day every day always driving so after like six years straight of that i just started to feel like an old person and just mm -hmm. my energy started yeah. to go down and i'm yeah. like i'm not even 30 like i should not feel this hurt mm -hmm. yeah. and sore and and just like 
fucked up all the time. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I really need to stop, slow down. And um, and I had a couple of different traumatic events, and those will always kind of stop you and make you reflect. Um, I had a bad business deal where I completely trusted someone who I thought was my friend, and they ended up scamming me out of like all my money. So, mm-hmm. and that was really traumatic, but also took a blow to me physically just you know from the stress and everything and i think anytime you have trauma or just get really too hurt it'll make you stop and reflect and be like you know what i i do need to take some time for myself sometimes those can be lessons though because uh, you know uh, i went through a i went through a big like a huge loss like so I'll, I'll try to do this quick as that's possible. That's what L's are. Yeah. They aren't L's. Yeah, they seem L's like L's at the time. They are losses at the time. But they're, yeah. it's always your biggest losses are your biggest lessons. Yeah. So like when I was 29, I was super successful in real estate, 400000 a year, married, mm. dream home, dream car, you know, thought I made it right. Mm. And then a year later, I was broke, divorced, business collapsed, credit destroyed, lost all my houses, bankruptcy. Yeah. And my dog died. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for many years i i took it as an l like because i didn't understand that adversity is there to teach you something yeah and to make and to make you stronger yeah you know because if you're not mentally tough you're not going to survive in the world i saw i don't i don't even want to rock with people who haven't been through stuff in yeah. life i'm like oh everything's been sweet for you yeah. your whole life cool i don't want to be your friend yeah no they're, they're just <laughs> i mean too sweet yeah they're not gonna teach you anything that's why yeah <laughs> yeah well when you have go through traumatic events and trauma trauma is different that's in the eye of the beholder damn near because it's all your perception i mean someone could get you know lose their job and it could be so traumatic where you know for someone else it's like that's just life yeah Yeah. so i just lost a family member that's trauma yeah someone else can be like uh i lose family members all the time that's not trauma this is trauma so you know it's all your perceived trauma but no matter what that is it's gonna make you stop reflect and be like i don't want to feel like this how did i get to this point right hopefully Hopefully. I'm realizing a lot of people don't reflect or take accountability, but they also are stuck in where they are mentally, emotionally, psychologically for the rest of their life, and they turn into adult children. So I want to talk about that because you learned. Yeah. How did you go from not being stuck Mm -hmm. like most people and like beating themselves up and woe is me? How did you go from that to actually learning from it and growing from it? Because you're successful now, or you're on your way to success, Yeah, you right? just have to, a lot of times, it's just stepping out of the victim mentality. Because yeah. when but, something happens to you, you know, our initial reaction, it was always like, oh, this hurt. Like, you did that to me. Yeah. I'm a victim. You did this. And so it takes a while to actually step out and be like, mm, what did I do? Right. I, I, there's always two sides to everything. What did I contribute? Like, right. did I make myself the victim? Did I allow this? was this a boundary that i let someone just walk over like it's not always on the other person so really just taking accountability full accountability for everything even if it's yeah you were just standing there on the side of the road and you got hit by a car like how do you take accountability for that but you still have to yeah, like i, I yeah. walked out on the side of the road you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like being responsible yeah. basically yeah your own life you and know? i've i've had a lot of unfortunate circumstance where it's just like how did this what the how did this even happen to me like i'm a good person yeah. but <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. maybe you're 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 a really good person but you're kind of dumb in that level you're at right now you needed that mm. to 
you know, be aware of whatever it was or knock off that part of your ego or whatever the reason was. But there's pretty much a reason for everything. Yeah. But you have to be willing to look at, at yourself and reflect on things. Also, like the type of energy that you're putting out there. Um, if you're really like, I practice a lot of my awareness and my subconscious. Like, mm. what do I really feel right now? Because what I'm feeling, like, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to attract whatever it is I'm feeling. Yeah, it's a thousand like, percent. It's law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Simple. Yeah. It, had, vibes. Yeah, vibes, right? Your vibe attracts your tribe. So I had a It's funny because I had a guest. Uh, uh, the next podcast is going to be released. Uh, he, he said that, you know, he grew up in, in, in the rough parts of britain like england like where it fights every single day and he was indian punjabi Mm -hmm. so obviously he's already a target right and uh he said he would pray god i don't want to get my ass kicked today and he'd get his ass kicked that day and then he wouldn't pray and he wouldn't get in a fight so he kind of was like confused for a while right but it was because you're focusing yeah it was a focus on something you don't want it's more focusing on what you don't want because they say you get in life what you want or what you think about on a daily basis whether you want it or not but you have to have that self like everything is awareness and that's what so many people lack 100 percent, and it sucks so how (laughs) everything (laughs) would be easier if you could just be like oh i'll take accountability for my own bullshit yeah but so where did that come from because i mean i have that but a lot of people don't have that they blame or they they say it's this or they say it's god or they say it's this or whatever where did that because that's powerful once you take 100 percent accountability for your entire life Mm -hmm. the problems go away because you have control to fix it. so They do- don't go away. They just make more sense and aren't as aggravating. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. What, what I mean, they don't go away. But it gives you the power to be able to deal with it. Right. Right. But where did that come from? Do you know? For me, yeah. I think everyone needs to take a period of self-reflection. Okay. Mm. Um, so I that's that's what's been really helpful to me in my personal growth throughout my life is when I have some really downtime or something happens or just some some L of yeah. some sort, I've lesson. I've always kind of like retreated a little bit and just spent a little bit of time to myself. So um, like one of the main things that's popping up in my head is I had a bunch of bad stuff happened and then I would listen to a whole bunch of YouTube videos on like, like law of attraction yeah. and positive thinking so and um, like subconscious reprogramming yeah. basically mm-hmm. and would just spend like an hour out of my day every morning just with my headphones on walking around or around the house or whatever just being alone and listening to these videos and listening to pretty much like free therapy yeah. but mm-hmm. really reflecting on it like really personalizing everything and just stopping and reflecting like how did i get to this point and it really just comes from getting to a point of being in so much pain or discomfort that you're just like, I can't keep moving forward okay. feeling like this or right. being in this position or yeah. I'm so unhappy or I'm so unsatisfied with my life. Like something's got to change. Yeah. I got to make the change because no one else is going to make the change for right. me. I'm not just going to depend on some, the next motherfucker yeah. to come along. That's powerful. So though. listening to a lot of like pretty much personal development. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like positive speakers help me a lot so this, that's something that i still to this day if i have a low point or just lose my motivation i'll be like oh let me just throw on like a five minute motivational talk yeah or something like mm-hmm. that it really does help because along with enjoying spending a lot of time to myself i can also get in my own head mm-hmm. and be my biggest hypercritic yeah so it helps to kind of 
listen to these other, you know, psychological professionals to kind of get myself mentally back in line. It's also like being your biggest uh, cheerleader, your number one fan and biggest cheerleader. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I'm more my biggest hater than fan, and I'm yeah. trying to get that balance down now. Mm. Well, it's it's crazy that you somehow figured it out because there's a couple things here, uh, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but have you heard of the Jesuits say, give me a child from zero to seven, and I'll show you the man or the woman or whatever. The reason for that is because our subconscious is programmed from age zero to seven. Mm-hmm. So whatever happened to us in zero to seven, that's our our subconscious, our personality for the rest of our life. I agree with that. I think yeah. every single adult issue we have stems from our childhood and specifically in some regard to our relationship with our mother or father. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Which that pretty much is what it is. And yeah. most people agree with me. So daddy on issues this, and mommy issues. Which issues. is great that we've identified that. Like, cool, yeah. all of our problems stem from our childhood and our mother father relationship. Yeah. But, like, so what? It doesn't matter if it stem from your childhood, babyhood, or adulthood. It's still on you to fix that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't care if your grandma raped you and this happened and what whatever you still you can't just be a piece of shit person the rest of your life because something bad happened to you like yeah yeah Yeah. that's horrific that sucks you still have to take accountability for yourself like uh, everyone's healing it's a individual thing yeah there's still a lot of people who won't won't be real with themselves Mm -hmm. yeah and they can't be with other people so so my 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 other part of that point is the only way you can change your subconscious after age seven is through repetition or subconscious programming mm-hmm. so i don't know how you figured it out but it's what happens to you in the morning and right before you go to bed mm-hmm. what you put in your brain at that time is the most powerful thing for your whole yeah for changing for growing right yeah and somehow you figured it out that let me just put on this positive vibes in the morning and be with myself, which is basically well, I mean, meditation. It, it kind of makes sense that what you do first thing sets the tone right. for the rest of your day. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then it makes sense that the thing you do before nighttime might sit in your brain while you're yeah. dreaming. And then you so, continue yeah. it like when you wake up, basically. Yeah. 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 So you figure you figured it out. And I agree with you 100%. Like, look, I know people have been through some stuff, you know what I mean? And, and, and thank God I haven't been through something crazy, crazy. Just what I just told you, right? It was pretty mm. crazy, but it wasn't like some pretty crazy stuff, right? Yeah. But it is true. Like, you know, whatever happened to you when you were young, like if you're still alive, if you still have all your fingers and your toes and, and you still have like your wits about you, like it's really your job to work on yourself and, and get better. How did you figure that out? how did i figure out that i didn't work on myself no, that, that it's that it's up to me like it's my job to fix whatever i need to fix with myself um well back to my point of just like with the work yeah it's i didn't have anyone else helping me okay um work is a little more black and white with no one helping me mentally like i didn't have too much support other than my mom and like one friend but it's like it's, it's you like no one else can change your character your personality characteristics for you right literally that's all internal it's just not even possible for i mean you could go to a therapist weekly bi-weekly and that can catalyze it yeah. but 
it's it's on you no one else can think your thoughts for you the hell have you ever been like you know a therapist anyways they don't do anything for you they just ask you a bunch of questions so you figure it out yourself yeah pretty much so like a therapist is just a trained professional they're walking you through self-reflection yeah exactly exactly what you were doing for yourself through the motivation and all that yeah through youtube videos yeah. yeah because like for me to where i'm at now the last 10 years has been all personal development Mm. so i understand how powerful that is but i also understand like how you said earlier some people stop growing at a certain age and they never grow after that they're the same mentally pretty much for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. but you somehow maybe it's through necessity through this this i gotta if it's up to if it's gonna be it's up to me yeah you figured it out yeah yeah and that's powerful yeah also like yeah it is up to us but um you have me i'm your friend you know, you have other people too that care about you. So thank um, you. Also, just realizing that if you need help, you know, just ask for it. Yeah. Like, like to me, I realized to ask for help because I'm, you know, respecting myself, honoring what I need. So that helps me to actually ask for help because I hate asking for help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I can do it myself, financially, mentally, emotionally, whatever, I do it. But if I really need something, like someone, then. I do it. Yeah. I ask for it. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about how you actually got into the cannabis industry. Because okay. you're, you're 15. Yeah. I don't know too many 15-year-olds that get into the cannabis industry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless maybe they grew up in Vallejo, right? Just yeah. Kidding. Just Unless kidding, they're Vallejo. in Vallejo. Just kidding, Vallejo. Not kidding. Right? Not kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Not really, right? Yeah. But so how did that all come about? Like, because you were in high school, right? And I mean, so tell us a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so I started smoking at 15 and selling weed. Mm-hmm. Um, I started cultivating when I moved out at 18 because I had a spot. Yeah, um, but how did you so. get into it? Was it like a boyfriend? Was it a group of friends? Um, like I said, everyone around me was smoking. So yeah, probably just going to... Uh, actually, the first time I smoked was at school. It was during lunch. Okay. And it was all my friends were just like, hey, we got some weed. Mm-hmm. I smoke some. And I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's be cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's do something rebellious. So you're like a freshman. Uh, yeah, a freshman in high school. Yeah, wow. and uh, and all my other friends had already started smoking in middle school. So I was like oh, wow. the nerd because I hadn't yet. So you're like, what's like, wrong with you? I've been doing I'm not gonna this be a square no more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no more square. So bear. we literally just yeah smoked at like lunch and then just started smoking at lunch every day and then in between classes and then before school every single day and then like in between every single break and then after school and then yeah all the guys that i was hanging out with all sold weed so it was just like non-stop free weed all the time (laughs) like it's not like we're gonna buy a bunch but um but then i started working during high school and i would spend all my money on weed right um and like I said, worked at dispensaries on and off in high school and in college. Yeah. So what were dispensaries like back then? Just super trappy, like hole in the walls, yeah. like were no, they, no they, covers. No, no COAs. Yeah, no yeah, you, you don't know what it is, right? No COAs. COAs. That's what yeah. I do at my no, job. Yeah. No, definitely no, <laughs> yeah. no COA. That wasn't mm. even an acronym. No What's testing. C- certificate of analysis. analysis. What's that? It's uh, so every every legal cannabis product has to be lab tested. Oh, yeah. so it's not like some. So they get the THC stuff. levels, the mm. pesticide levels, um, mold, fungus, the things like okay. that. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, so what made you decide? All right, I'm gonna start cultivating this stuff. Um. So the costs weren't as high. 
keep <laughs> keep costs low. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a necessity. Yeah. Right, stop, out, money. stop outsourcing the production. Ah, there you go. <laughs> uh, first couple times were big fails. Literally, my plants just immediately died. So it was big trial and error. <laughs> brown thumb. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, super brown thumb. But now it's, it's like just leave my plants in my backyard and they mm. grow into award winners. I don't know. But I have my own little secret female therapies theories on why they grow well. Like yeah. I, what, what are some of those things? When I do, I'm not in my yard. I'm not home a lot. But when I do have plants, growing, I typically grow outdoor. Okay. So indoor is a little more care intensive. You, you need someone there every single day. You have to look at all the factors like pH, carbon. It's just a lot. Right. So outdoor growing just na- nature you leave Natural. it in the sun and it does its thing so yeah. that's, <laughs> that's kind of how nature intended right yeah, yeah. Um, i smoke indoor i prefer it because when you can control all the factors and all the variables you can make the plant kind of you know more what you want it to be right more, more desirable characteristics um but yeah, just started growing, kind of self-taught through trial and error. At, at this time, it wasn't legal. So no. how, how how did you like? There was no no fear, no worry about you know anything. Oh, happened? everything was everything was secret. Everything yeah. was was don't tell anyone. This is here. <laughs> <laughs> You're like growing tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's why it's kind of funny now that it's so out in the open and mm-hmm. everyone just talks about. It. I I still feel weird just being around my mom and grandma. And I mean, my mom has known what I've done. She knows what I do. I mean, when I was 16, they found like a scale in a pipe and an ounce and like another ounce in my car. So they they know what's going on. She's like, honey, your friends left some weird things in your car. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so um, and then sold all through college. Um, But. I, it, it was still illegal at this time. So I, it was always making me a lot of money, always a huge part of my life, but not something that I could really be proud of. Right. Not something that I could tell my parents about and have them you know, give me a pat on the back. Cause they're yeah. proud of me. You know, they were, yeah. if I told my parents about it, they'd be like, what? You're going to jail. Yeah. My daughter's a farmer. <laughs> and now there's, you know, I remember when the first billboard got up, I was like, where's my mom? Oh gosh, don't let her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's just interesting how it's changed so much. But um, so after college, I I have this nutrition science degree. So I started working in the hospital as um, a dietitian. So okay. I was in the inpatient nutrition department, which was great. But it was just super depressing, not where I wanted to be. Right. Um, I was still doing weed sales at this time. So <laughs> someone suggested that they're like, why don't you do pharmaceutical sales? Right. Because, um, you know, you already do drug sales. You talk to doctors all day. It's mm-hmm. just a combination of those two. You're pretty much doing legal drug sales. Yeah. So Which I, actually are more harmful than the other drugs. Uh, yeah, depends. Well, weed. Let's just, de- let's de- just cannabis. De- cannabis. De- yeah, okay. Yes. Cannabis. Yeah. Let me, let yes. me clarify that. Yeah more harmful than <laughs> cannabis yes all the other drugs are very harmful yeah agreed so got into doing pharmaceutical sales um super lucrative did that for like 60 years and then realized how evil big pharma is and right. then got out um the reason why i got in and it seemed so great is i was originally working for novo nordisk who's a big danish company they make insulin okay so i mean i have no qualms selling insulin like right. people need insulin mm. there, there's nothing evil about that right right um so 
like I said, worked for them for like five years, made a bunch of money. It was great. And then I moved on to an oncology company. Um, I wanted to work with them because they had cannabinoid products in their pipeline. They had a CBD product that they were pushing or trying to get FDA approval for. They never got FDA approval for it, unfortunately. But Hmm. that's why I was attracted to them. They also had were selling dronabinol, which is synthetic THC. Okay. Obviously, I'm not a fan of any synthetic plant. Right. But mm. it was still interesting to be talking to oncologists about cannabis all day. What do you think about cannabis? What do you think of this fake synthetic cannabis over mm. real? You know, so it was just interesting to get medical professionals feedback. But also, I was working with a bunch of oncology patients. And around this time, this was... Maybe like five years ago. This is when CBD first started to get popular. So okay. people were actually using CBD and giving me a bunch of their um, success stories. And they yeah. would have amazing stories. And these are cancer patients. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, CBD and THC and, you know, a whole whole variety of cannabis, you know, products. But but CBD was, was kind of just new in the limelight. So that got me more into the CBD side because I've always been a THC user. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people don't like the yeah. psychological effects so of it. So can you explain that for the, the lay person that doesn't understand the difference yeah, between Yeah, so for anyone listening who's, who's unclear, so within cannabis, there's THC and CBD. THC is tetrahydrocannabinol. CBD is just cannabidiol. Mm. Um, they're both molecules within the cannabis plant but they have different effects so thc is what gets you high and has the psychological effects cbd kind of has the um therapeutic effects that cannabis gives without the high feeling so so cbd is more like uh it's more therapeutic therapeutic, medicinal less yeah more medicinal less recreational because it doesn't have those psychological effects um, CBDs primarily used for pain uh-huh. and anxiety, um, various other health reasons. The, the first reason it got actually FDA approved for medical uses was for seizures. So yeah. that's kind of what originally made it really popular is there was YouTube videos yeah, the, the, of the children. That, yeah. The one guy that was like shaking. And yeah. Like there, well, there's bit. older people too, but. But specifically, there was a lot of children wow. who had um, like rare, rare disorders, and um, and they would show them being given CBD oil or some type of cannabis oil, and their seizures would just, just go away like yeah. within a minute. That's crazy. And they, they and they weren't responsive to all these other um, like prescription anti seizure yeah. medications. That were probably making them causing other problems. Right? Yeah, right. Like I'm big on uh, holistic care and and, and natural remedies. Right. Because I have a couple stories. So first of all, I know this homeopathic Chinese healer. Like this guy is like has done some crazy stuff. Mm. So my mom had really, really bad anemia. Like she was just always tired, pale. Her iron counts were down to five, like single digits. Yeah. Right. And the doctors were pump- pumping her with these iron pills that made her just messed her up even yeah, more. Constipation. Yeah. So she basically got to a point where she's like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like she was out of options. So she is funny. My mom's crazy. But the doctor was Asian. She goes, you're Asian. Don't you know something like, you know, someone else? And then he's like, the doctor's like, well, talk to this guy. He's a healer, right? He made her some herbal teas. I don't know what the heck he put in them, but it was just a bunch of herbs, cooked it all up. 
My mom's iron counts went from five to 50 in two months. Wow. And the doctors were like, what are you doing? Like, they're like, they, they didn't even know how to like diagnose it. And now, maybe 15 years later, my mom's living a normal, happy life in Hawaii, but she was miserable, right? Me, I had back pain for 15 years. I have two herniated discs in my lower back. I went to like, you know, orthopedic surgeons, chiropractors for years. I, I was like, my 20s felt like I was in my 80s, right? Mm. And I was almost just like fed up. And then my mom's like, well, why don't you try him? Like, just give him a shot. I was like, I'll try anything right now. He gave me the tease. And he says, you're going to feel a little vibration in every part of your body that's injured. He said, it's it's the chi unblocking your your whatever. And like every, a month later, I just felt these little vibrations in my back. Two months later, my pain has gone 90%. Like, like that. So I am like, this is crazy. Well, share bro's number. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah Dr. Fam, thank you so much. You're here, a healer. He's actually retired. What type of tea was this? He won't tell me. He won't tell anybody. It's like it the secret. It might be like um, Chinese herbal teas. It's just herbs. Probably. It's crazy. He'll take your pulse. Well, it sounds like it's Chinese herbal yeah. teas. We yeah. got that from the store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <Like>. 707. <laughs> Sorry, I've been fasting. So yeah. like, I have no. I'm messing with Joe because she's my friend. Yeah. So I can talk shit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's okay so this is the crazy part you don't even tell him what's wrong with you he'll take your pulse and look at your tongue and tell you every ailment oh yeah that that's what a lot of acupuncturists and do. i was like what the he's an acupuncturist oh. but he's kind of like high level trained in china trained in france and all that kind of stuff so anyways i believe 100 percent in in that so it's kind of crazy because without even realizing it like you're a smart per you're a smart girl like you. you went to obispo you you got a degree in dietitian like you're very intelligent right but you grew up in the hood <laughs> around like you know you know whatever that was your environment right but i think it's kind of ironic that without even realizing it what you thought was being in the hood smoking weed it actually ended up coming full circle to now everyone's understanding that cannabis is actually a medicine cannabis can actually help and heal people but you now have 15 plus years of experience right and then and then and now you have your own company and who else better than to have a company than someone that's been in the industry for literally 15 years with a degree in in nutrition and diet dietitian. yeah so like i said the the cannabis landscape is changing and getting kind of weird mm. and different and trendy so yeah. one of the kind of unfortunate things is yeah i do feel like i provide a lot of value as someone who's been in the industry for so long <laughs> and i've seen the landscape and the legalities change firsthand um like a lot of times you don't need experience almost doesn't matter in this True. industry. And that's what's weird is there's people coming in from different industries. There's people who literally have never smoked weed in their life that go into higher up positions in a lot of these mm -hmm. cannabis companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're just business people. And so that's why I said True. for a lot of the kind of OGs in the industry, mm -hmm. I feel like it rubs a lot of us the wrong, the wrong way yeah, i like, mean it is what it is i'm not mad or salty at anyone but i just kind of look at it and like mm. a little salty maybe just yeah a like bit. you're just changing and it just becoming no not salt but just like something that i don't really want to be part of because yeah, no, it, it just it. doesn't represent the kind of traditional cannabis industry that it used to be now it's just about what's trendy and 
turning into a marketing war and who who is just like who has the best investors when it used to be yeah. who had the best farmer and gardener yeah. and skills mm-hmm. and now right. it's like nah who has who had an investor that got won the most money money yeah. on that yeah, round that's who wins it's like it doesn't make sense to have a buyer who doesn't even smoke weed and right. i know Kaliva. companies Kaliva? I know companies. That's, that's the company I go to. <laughs> Which, like, there's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I understand, like, the algorithm. Okay, so you've never smoked. So you look at the trends and you analyze the buying, uh, you know, patterns and you know what's going to be hot next. Cool. Like, I get why that makes you qualified for that position. Right. But culturally. Culturally, yep. Mm, no. Yeah, so it's kind of it's, it's <laughs> so that's I th- I'm not mad, I'm not salty like that. It's just it's changing kind of the culture and the feeling of the environment. Well, it's yeah. it's kind of like um, uh, something that you guys built through lots of hard work and you know studying and mm. passionate about it and you know all that, and then now big business comes in and goes get out yeah. of the way. We're gonna apply all this marketing and da da da. It doesn't. So it's kind of like. You know when when Starbucks got into coffee, like coffee used to be coffee. Now it's freaking sugary crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people think they're drinking coffee, but they're drinking like seventy five grams of sugar. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's all marketing. Like everyone's like addicted to it, right? Yeah. They took something that was just basically a boring industry and um, made it like. But coffee is a stimulant, so that one like. Yeah, it's the same thing. Right? They took something they knew would be addicting. Yeah, yeah it's not exactly. like they just took like. Carrots and monopolized <laughs> it like nah. They, Carrots are not no. addicting. <laughs> Give me some carrots. <laughs> you got them carrots. Anyways, okay. So, so let's go back to uh, when you were in pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're making money. You're living a life. Yeah. So, so like I said, I got in this company because they had a CBD product in the pipeline. I saw that as cool. They're on the forefront of, uh, I saw, and I still see it as this is kind of where cannabis is going. As soon as it's something they can patent, the pharmaceutical companies are going to take over the industry. Right. Completely. It's not going to be corporations, branding corporations. It's going to be pharmaceutical corporations that just bought everyone out. So I was like, okay, if this pharmaceutical company has a CBD product in their FDA approval pipeline, I want to get with them. Right. So I joined this company and like I, the FDA approval kept getting pushed off. So in the meantime, they're like, well, we need to increase our sales. We want you to sell fentanyl. Ooh. And that... What is that for? Um, it's a So for those who don't know, fentanyl is a um, very strong pain product. It's the strongest, most addictive on the market. It's a hundred times stronger than uh, morphine. So, it's basically, so you can imagine how addicting that oh, is. Wow. Basically, you take like the littlest micro amount and you can... It, it'd be very fatal mm. wow so it's for like extreme pain you have to be on around just even to be considered for it you have to be on around the clock morphine Jeez. or some type of long-lasting pain pill and be failing on that and be wow. in pain mm. so it's literally end of the line care extreme pain medication but the atomic it's, bomb of pain meds. Basically. Fentanyl has been in the in the news a lot because there's a lot of um, street fentanyl mm. that's not like real 
what it should be fentanyl and it, a lot of it is imported from china and so a lot of people are are dying off it because yeah. they're buying it in the streets the whole yeah. and it's, it's fake fentanyl and, and they're dying so that fentanyl has a really bad rap for killing a lot of people um but it's also over prescribed so it's it's not something anyone should be on unless they're literally like about to die and i just saw how this company was pushing it and i was like i straight up don't agree with this yeah. and as soon as you give them any type of pushback you're on their radar yeah, exactly so i already knew that i wanted to be out and at that same time cannabis was was legalized for recreational right. consumption so i'm like i know i want to be out of pharma i know i'm gonna move back into the cannabis realm now that it's something i don't have to hide and feel right. like a loser about when well, you know <laughs> like i'm a professional a yeah. so I, I knew i wanted to be out of pharma but i <laughs> yeah. was like but they're paying like crazy so i'm gonna quit but i'm gonna quit like next paycheck okay <laughs> so i was still there yeah. but i was doing public speaking at the time so i would do like free cannabis classes free cbd classes primarily in oakland in conjunction with um with some legal, local dispensaries mm -hmm. but just free classes just what is cbd cbd and seniors cbd for pain and it was me and a few different doctors wow. leading That's all awesome. the talks mm -hmm. and someone had put one of the talks on youtube which i didn't even know and you became viral and no not at all there was like one view on it and my pharmaceutical company called me and they were like hey oh shoot you did they this talk out. oh my god and you said that people shouldn't take pharmaceuticals because they're too synthetic and mm -hmm. and all these side effects so you're terminated immediately wow i was like that and that was the crazy. it was your company was that one view <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, i was like what the hell? how did they find that because pharma's crazy that, dude that they're like a, a mafia like big oh time. Yeah, yeah 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 i think it's one it's definitely one of the biggest industries in america right it's, if you want to call all it over that. the world so well I'll, and so we could we could talk about this for hours but just that's one of the big things that i put i talk about now so mm. after being fired just spurred my public speaking more so so i talk I talk about how people should take more natural products and take more responsibility for themselves and their health and not listen to their doctors who don't know them or their bodies or anything right. about their lives or mental health. Mm -hmm. And we're just trained on chemicals. That's people act like doctors are the know alls of health. Mm -hmm. And what they don't realize is they are a doctor of medicine, right? Only medicine, not mental health, not nutrition, chemical products that's what they learn that's, that's what, what they learn in the school yep. for so mm -hmm. that's you're never that's why you every doctor's office you pretty much always leave with a prescription or every mm. office visit you always right. leave with a prescription because that's what they're taught that's even, even the, the vets are like that now yeah because so, i have a 17 year old dog right and she got kidney failure a year and a half ago i had her on the the kibble and all that kind of stuff that's another whole industry that's killing animals just like the food industry is killing humans right mm -hmm. So anyways, she's, she lost like 50% of her body weight. I thought I was going to have to put her to sleep. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to try to find something to make her quality of life good. As long as she has left, I thought maybe she had like a week or whatever. Mm. So I walk into Pet Food Express and there's CBD oil and there's natural whole foods. And then they're like raving about it. Like, this is like saving dogs lives. Like, give her this. And then like, have you tried CBD oil? And I'm like, no, I'll try whatever, right? So literally... She's been alive now over a year and a half. She's after her diagnosis. They call her the miracle dog at the vet. And they try to, of course, 
give her pain meds, give her this, give her like hell no, I'm not giving her nothing, right? Yeah. I'm gonna give her good food and CBD oil. And the CBD oil helps the dogs with anxiety and the pain and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like literally she's going strong and all she's taking is CBD oil and whole foods. And she's like 106 in dog years now and still going strong. So I 100% believe in that. And not only for dogs, it's already proven in my dog that it's working, but for humans yeah. too. Yeah. I think a lot more people are catching on to this though yeah. and realizing that that, that doctors don't have our best health and wellness right. in mind. Just like the government doesn't have your best needs in mind. If you think the government has your health and wellness and your best needs in mind, then yeah, you might as well think that your doctor yeah. wants you to live forever super duper healthy. It just it I'm not saying your doctor doesn't want you to be healthy, but you just have to realize that health care is sick care it's a for-profit business so these people need to make money off of you mm-hmm. to stay in business and to feed their families yeah so it's not profitable to make people heal mm. and especially off your point teas herbs things yeah. that you can grow for free you can't patent that and that's the problem if you can't patent it you can't make money there's off no it. money in the cure so <laughs> that's back to what you were saying at the beginning of how cannabis should have never ever been illegal yeah it never should have it it, it should never should have been villainized and it used to be in pharmacies hundreds of years ago and then yeah. the whole pharmaceutical industry came about they realized how they can make money and and patent these chemicals and then tell people what to do and people are going to believe them yeah and they so make a lot of money off people's health i i did some research and i want people to know this because it's very important this is why cannabis was made illegal 100 percent. it started 80 years ago mm-hmm. right so uh harry ann slinger and william randolph hearst you ever heard of hearst castle mm-hmm. that's his castle right um hearst uh he owned the media back then basically it was newspapers and magazines right so he started this huge campaign of misinformation against cannabis because he was a timber he, he invested heavily in timber um and you know basically he wanted to make paper out of timber instead of out of hemp fiber which mm. at the time i think the u.s constitution is written on hemp fiber right hemp so. fiber was better for making paper they say it was better for making sales like like sales in a boat and stuff like that so he wanted to demonize cannabis because hemp fiber was his number one competition to his um his his timber and then it only took six months to grow the hemp it took three years to grow the timber or more right uh rockefeller everybody knows john d rockefeller so william hurst john rockefeller two of the biggest most powerful men that ever lived in this country Mm. he started the pharmaceutical industry right yeah and he did not want any herbs out there to become competition to his pharma and the whole medical curriculum had to be rockefeller approved it could only be curriculum that he had approved they couldn't teach anything else that wasn't what he wanted them to know yeah so so people out there john d rockefeller basically said forget shit yeah forget healing it's about pharma right it's about money for him yeah he used to say about raping people for profits yeah he said competition is a sin that was a quote so he basically killed this competition and then 
um, you know, cannabis at the time was the most commonly used medication. Is a sin. That's what Rockefeller said. How out of control is your ego? Yeah. (laughs) And then there was a budding synthetic plastic industry, DuPont, which they used oil to make their plastics, right? Um, And obviously, hemp was a big competition to them. Uh, And Hearst was also a racist, a raging racist. He hated almost every other race, but he really hated Mexicans. Because uh, Pancho Villa took 800,000 acres of timber away from him. So oh, he, Pancho. Yeah, so, so the word marijuana came from the song La Cucaracha. Because they used to smoke it and say marijuana pa fumar. Mm-hmm. So they took marijuana from the song, changed hemp to marijuana, created this huge propaganda campaign against it. Then Anslinger created a, a law that made it pretty much a tax that made it illegal. And there goes the hemp industry gone for the next 80 years. Mm-hmm. So for all those that think marijuana is this evil, whatever, it's not. You yeah. are, we're all fooled by William Hearst, John D. Rockefeller, Anslinger, DuPont, all these huge powerful men that wanted the oil industry, that wanted the plastic industry, the timber industry, which destroyed our, our forests, mm-hmm. the oil industry, which is destroying our natural resources, right, and the planet, right? And the met, the pharma industry, which is killing all of us, right? They wanted those industries to be powerful instead of cannabis. So they killed cannabis and created all these other industries. And now the biggest opioid crisis that's ever existed in mm-hmm. this country is came out of all of that. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Our goal, as always, is to become the number one podcast in the world. And uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Make sure you share this with three of your friends. And if you like our song, our intro song, please check out my good friend, uh, Maroni Silva's band, A Dead Desire, on YouTube. That song is called The Mantra. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. And as always, follow your bliss.